turn to two passages of Scripture, Jeremiah chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. Jeremiah 1 and Luke 1. And we are in a series entitled One Life. And we're talking about how your one life matters. And two weeks ago, I shared a message called One Thread. And we talked about how Rahab, even though she had a very bad past because she came to God, she had a great future. And she became part of the scarlet thread of redemption that runs through the Old Testament and even through the Bible, the whole Bible. And last week, Jimmy Evans was here and shared about one seed, how each of us, our life is a seed And the enemy wants us to consume that seed or consume our life. But if we surrender our life to the Lord, our seed, our one life will bear much fruit. But this week, after one thread and one seed, I've titled the message, One Cell. And the reason I titled it that is because I began thinking about that our body is made up of cells. Lots of cells. And each cell has a DNA. Your body, by the way, has about 50 trillion cells in it. 50 trillion cells. Each cell has a DNA, and that DNA is specifically you. It is who you are. It is a genetic code of who you are in the physical. And your DNA isn't like anyone else's DNA. It's unique to you. If you took your DNA strands, by the way, and straightened them out, they're kind of in a spiral. If you straightened your DNA strands out in your body, your one body, and you joined them together, the DNA strands in your body would reach from the earth to the moon 6,000 times. That's how unique your body is. And God is the one who came up with this system. Scientists have discovered the system and named the system, but God's the one who created it. Scientists didn't create how unique your body is. Let's make sure we understand that, all right? God did this, and He put a DNA in you, and that DNA, to a large degree, determines how tall you're going to be, how short you're going to be, the color of hair you're going to have, the color of eyes you're going to have, the shade of skin that you're going to have, In essence, a tendency to be heavy or a tendency to be thin, that's all determined in your DNA. Now, here's my question. I begin thinking about, okay, we each have a body, a physical body, but spiritually we're a part of the body of Christ, right? We all make up the body of Christ. There's only one thing different about us making up the body of Christ than the cells that make up your body. The cells that make up your body are all the same. They all have the same DNA. According to Scripture, though, the cells or the parts or the members that make up the body of Christ are each different. Each of us are different, and here's what the Bible says. We ought to respect the differences of each member of the body of Christ. Because each of us together have giftings, and all of us together make up the body of Christ. So, here's what I begin thinking. Do you have a spiritual DNA? In other words, you have a physical DNA that determines your physical characteristics. Do you have a spiritual DNA that God put in you that determines your spiritual characteristics? If you're someone who really likes to intercede and pray for people, is intercession a part of your DNA? Did God give you the gifting and the ability and the desire to intercede? What do you think? Yes. If your DNA is a person who likes to lead in the church, or a person who likes to serve, or a person who likes to administrate, or a person who likes to teach in the church, do you think God genetically encoded in your spirit 
the gifts and the abilities and the talents and the desires to serve in that area of ministry? Do you think God put a spiritual DNA in you? Now, in the natural, though, are there some things that you could do that could affect your DNA? For instance, let's say that you have the DNA to be a very smart person, but you don't study, you don't really apply yourself in school. Even though you have the DNA of, you have what we would call smart genes in you, if you don't ever develop those, will you reach your full potential in the natural? No. Okay. Is it possible then? That you have a DNA to do something for the kingdom of God, a spiritual DNA in you, but it's possible that you may never reach your spiritual destiny because you don't apply yourself to the kingdom. This is good. If y'all don't know, this is good stuff what I'm saying to you. This will cause you to think. Let me show you some verses of why I think that we have a spiritual DNA in us from God before we're ever even born. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. So God's talking. And this is what he said. Before I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You hear what he's telling Jeremiah? Before you were even born, I put the DNA of a prophet in you. I just want you to know, I gave you the spiritual genes of a prophet before you were ever even born. Luke chapter 1, verse 13, the angel said to him, now this is talking to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for... Now he's going to give us the spiritual genes of John the Baptist. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Boy, that is a huge job description. That John the Baptist was given. Here's the only thing I want you to know. He didn't have to fulfill his job description. He just had to stay submitted to God in his life. And the genes that were in him, the spiritual genes, would naturally develop in his life if he stayed submitted to God. So, that's what we want to talk about. I want to tell you some things you can do to help your spiritual development. But I also need to tell you some things you can do that would hinder your spiritual development so you'll stay away from those, all right? So first thing, let me tell you three things that you might do that would hinder your spiritual development. All right, here's the first one. Distorted vision. It's the same in the natural. What you look at, you become like. In other words, if your parents are a certain way, and you emulate them, you may begin to talk like them, you may begin to walk like them. I have a friend of mine who is a contemporary Christian singer, sings on the radio and all, and he wrote a song a few years ago called Just Like Him. I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me, talking about his son. And where he got the song from is that he had polio when he was young, and so he limps. And so he was out mowing his yard, and he was doing like this. He's, this is the way he walks. He's mowing his yard, and he had bought his little three-year-old a mower, a plastic mower, and he looked behind him, and his little son was walking behind him with his three-year-old mower. His son does not have polio, nothing wrong with him, but his son was walking like this. 
just following his daddy. You know why? Because he wants to be like his daddy. Because who you look like, you become like. Do you remember Jacob said to Laban, Jacob was a great businessman, and he was working with a great businessman, and he wanted to start his own business, so he said to Jacob, how about if you just give me all the spotted, streaked, and speckled sheep? How about that for a deal? That'll help me start my company. And so Laban agreed because there weren't very many spotted, speckled, and streaked sheep. But Jacob then took branches and stripped the bark off of them, where they looked spotted, speckled, and streaked, and put them in front of the sheep when they came to feed. And the sheep, because they were looking at those branches while they were eating, and then they would reproduce, they began reproducing spotted, speckled, and streaked sheep. And Jacob became a wealthy man. Why? Because he understood the principle that you become like what you look at. Here's what I'm telling you. You need to find some good role models. If you feel like God's called you to be a leader in the kingdom, find some humble, servant, transparent leaders and let them be some good role models for you. If you feel like God wants you to minister in the prophetic, find some prophets who are building up the church, not tearing down the church. And by the way, it's real easy to find both of those. If you want to find some intercessors and you want to be an intercessor, and we have great intercessors here at Gateway Church, the reason we have great intercessors is because they're trying to build the church up. They're not trying to be critical of the pastor in the church. And there are a lot of intercessors who are. They think they can hear God better than the elders. It's just not true. It's not their job. It's their job to pray the kingdom in, not to talk the kingdom in. And so you just need to find some people who are doing a good job in the kingdom and emulate them. But let me just caution you of something. Don't compare yourself. Don't fall into the sin of comparison. When teenagers are developing, when they're going through adolescence, when they're going from being children to being adults, do you know the worst thing that they can do? And here's what the enemy tries to get them to do. The enemy tries to get them to compare themselves to other teenagers. You're not as pretty as. You're not as smart as. You're not as gifted as. You're not as athletic as. Or you're taller than the rest of your class. You're shorter than the rest of your class. You're heavier than. You're thinner than. And, and, and what he does is he tries to say to them, there's something wrong with you. It's the same in the spiritual. When you begin to emulate or see some role models, you need to emulate them. And what you need to understand is what you're actually doing is you're emulating Christ in them. And you don't need to allow the enemy to say to you, you're not as good as. Don't get involved in the sin of comparison. Paul says we're not wise when we compare ourselves one with another. But you do need to look at some good role models. If you have distorted vision, you will never develop spiritually the genes that God's put in you. So here's the second thing that will hinder you from developing. Manipulation. Trying to control your destiny trying to get your hand in it. It's the same in the physical. You realize that it's in the top three causes of death. You know, we've, we've heard for years, top cause of death is heart disease, and that's true. But in the top three causes of death, would you like to know what the top three now are? In the top three, medical-related deaths. In other words, people are actually dying now from medicine. You realize, if you watch any television at all, at least every 15 or 20 minutes, a miracle pill is going to be shown to you. As a matter of fact, they have a pill now that you can eat anything you want and lose weight while you're asleep. Now, for all of you who ordered that, I got a bridge that I'd like to sell you too. It's crazy. What it is is genetic manipulation. 
You know, you don't need to eat right and exercise. Just take a pill, everything will be okay. And here's the problem with that, is no one ever listens to what the guy says at the end of the commercial. And he says it real fast. You ever heard that? He also, the volume is lower than how great the pill is. It's something like this. I thought I'd write it down to make sure I got it right. Here's how it begins. Side effects. Side effects may include... Dizziness, headaches, vomiting, diarrhea, excessive bleeding, severe pain, hearing loss, vision loss, hair loss, memory loss, blood loss, death, dismemberment, and bad breath. That's pretty close to what he says at the end of the commercial. And we're sitting there just thinking how great the pill is, and then we hear bad breath. Oh, I could get some mints. We don't even hear the death dismemberment part. Your arms may fall off after taking this pill. It's genetic manipulation to some degree. Come on, we have such a, a society that puts such an emphasis on how we look that we're willing to put a foreign object in our body to try to overrule the genetics that we have because we're so vain in this country. It's incredible. In the same way, there's a vanity in the kingdom of God, and we look at members in the body of Christ who are getting uh, attention for their gift, and we say, I want to have that gift. That's the gift I want to have. That guy seems to have a lot of attention. That woman seems to get a lot of glory and honor for her gift. That's the gift. And so we begin to try to manipulate our destiny instead of just serving in the kingdom. Do you realize that when the Bible talks about that the members are different, did you know the ones it says have the most honor are the ones that you don't see? Every time when Debbie and I walk in, we walk in this door right over here, and our nurseries are right over here, and some of the biggest smiles that I see every Sunday morning are on the people standing right over there taking care of our kids. Just let me know if you haven't figured it out. That's where the glory goes, not on the platform. The people you can't see get the most honor in the kingdom of God, and they should. So don't emulate someone and try to manipulate your destiny. I want you to know something. God made everything extremely simple in the kingdom of God. The path for spiritual success is the same for every gifting. Whether you're called to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or an usher or a greeter or a layman leading a group or a Bible study teacher or a children's minister, whatever your gifting is, listen to me, the path for every, for success, for your spiritual destiny, for every gifting is exactly the same. I can prove it to you. But let me tell you what the path is. Serving. It's the same. Hey, I don't care what your gift is, the way you're going to get there is serving. You want me to prove it to you? The highest gifting, I would say, the highest DNA that any person was ever born with was Jesus. Would you agree with that? God has exalted Him above every name, above every principality and every power. Who has the highest place in the kingdom of God? Jesus, right? Okay, God put His DNA in Him. And you know what His DNA was? To be the Savior of the whole world. That's pretty high, isn't it? And here's what Jesus said to the disciples. Uh, Guys, the path for me to fulfill God's will in my life, His words exactly, I did not come to be served, but to serve. If the path 
for Jesus to fulfill his spiritual destiny was serving. What's the path for you to fulfill your destiny? Here's another thing. Paul, one of the greatest apostles, you know how he opened up his Gospels? He said, Paul, an apostle, called to be a servant. I am an apostle. You know what I was called to do? I was called to be a servant. That's the way he opened his Gospels. I'm called to be a servant. And as long as he was a servant, he became an apostle. So, don't try to alter your genetic destiny. Here's the third thing that will hinder you reaching your genetic destiny, your spiritual genetic destiny, disease. Just like in the natural, a person can have a, the DNA to live a long life, but if disease comes in, it can alter that DNA. Okay, it's the same in the spiritual. There are spiritual diseases. Let me give you three spiritual diseases. Number one is bad doctrine. That's a disease. Let me read your verse. 2 Timothy 2.16 Shun profane and idle babblings. For they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Here's what they were saying. Not the resurrection of Christ was already passed. They were saying the resurrection of the dead was already passed. That there was not going to be a resurrection of the dead. There was not going to be a second coming. They were preaching bad doctrine, and Paul said, this is like cancer. If you allow bad doctrine to come into your life in the same way that cancer can affect a physical body, bad doctrine can affect a spiritual body. Now you think about this. How many people have you known that were doing great for the kingdom of God, were on the track and really seemed to love God, and then they got off on some tangent and they're not even serving God anymore? That's what bad doctrine does. This past week, I heard a minister say, it's been over 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what this lady said. Wonderful Bible teacher, too. Wonderful. She just made the statement. She wasn't trying to make a point. It's just kind of a slip of the tongue. We all do it when we're speaking. She said, it's been over 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I just thought to myself, it hasn't been over 2,000 years since the death and resurrection. It's been over 2,000 years since the birth You understand that right now, this season we're in, is when he was alive. And by the way, a lot of people don't know this. He was actually born in 4 B.C. I know that doesn't make sense to say he was born four years before Christ. (laughs) He's not the one that's messed up. Our calendar's messed up. And then everyone got excited at 2000. The year 2000, Jesus is going to come back. And he'll have to come back because, you know, all our computers are going to crash. And we won't be able to live without Jesus. And if our computers do crash, that will be tribulation for most of us here. So, so Jesus is going to come back in 2000. Well, about 1999, I started hearing this. And I remember thinking, well, it's not. They were saying because it's 2,000 years since he was born. And I thought, no, it's, it's been 2003 already. He was born. If 2000 would have been 96. So anyway, this last week I hear this. It's been 2,000 years since his death and resurrection. I thought, no, it, it hasn't been. And then I thought, you know, his death and resurrection, the 2000th anniversary will be 2029. And then the next thought I had was, maybe that's when Jesus is coming back. And then I felt like immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, don't go that way. (laughs) Don't go down that road, Robert. I've called you to do two things. And if you want to know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, that's what the Lord reminded me of this last week. He said, I've called you to win lost and hurting people and equip believers to do the same. That's what I've called you to do. I've called you to win lost and hurting people to Christ and equip believers to do the same. So that's what I want you to do. Don't go home and draw a bunch of charts. 
I'm telling you, if you want to know my eschatological views, I learned that word one time, and I like to use it every chance I can. It means your end-time views. If you will know, well, what about rapture, pre-trib, mid-trib, post? If you will know, I can tell you right now what I believe. Jesus is coming back. And that's all I'm sure of. And until he comes back, I'm going to try to win as many people to Jesus as I can. So, bad doctrine. Here's another one. Bad relationships. Bad relationships. Take a teenage girl, for example. Let's say there's a girl, and she's in high school, and she's very, very smart. I mean, she's really smart. She has the genetic DNA to maybe be a scientist or a medical doctor or to do something that could really help a lot of people. But in high school, she gets to hang around with the wrong crowd. Pretty soon, she has an I-don't-care attitude. She doesn't care about her grades. She ends up not going to college, and she ends up marrying a guy that has no ambition, no goals, no desires in life. Do you think that might affect her destiny in this life? Sure, even though she has the genes to do a lot to help a lot of people, right? Okay, because she started hanging around with the wrong crowd, that could affect her. I want to ask you something. If you have the genes in you, the spiritual genes, and by the way, all of you do. All of you have the spiritual genes to do something great. You want to know why? Because your dad's great. Because your dad's great. That's why. So all of you have the genes to do something great for the kingdom of God. But if you start hanging around some people, do you think that could affect your destiny? Absolutely. And here's the uh, third disease, and that's bad attitudes. And let me tell you what bad attitudes are. Every person you meet who has a bad attitude, everything for me is simple, by the way. You know the number one thing I hear from people coming and talk to me after the service? They say, my kids love to listen to you. That's what they tell me. Well, I know why. It's because I'm on their level. <laughs> I understand that. I am extremely simple mind. Simple mind. I know that. I know that. Everything is simple to me. So, like I said a moment ago, I don't care what your calling is, serving will get you there. I believe that. Okay. I want to tell you this. Every person has a bad attitude, has bitterness. You just start digging with a person who has a bad attitude. You're going to find hurts and offenses in their past that they have not dealt with. If you're quick to blow your temper, you're actually not an angry person. You're a hurt person. Not many amens today, are there? (laughs) And by the way, if your spouse is a person like that, don't you dare say amen. (laughs) Okay, so... Hurts, offenses, and bitterness. Now, listen to me carefully. I'm going to tie these two points together, and I want you to say amen. I had to really get on to the services last night because they didn't say amen, and I worked a lot on this statement, so I want some credit, okay? (laughs) We're going to talk about bad relationships and bad attitudes. Bad relationships is hanging around with bad people, okay? Here's what Satan wants to do. If Satan can't get you to hang around bad people, he will try to get you offended at good people. That was sort of good. All right. I'm telling you, that'll help you if you'll remember that. If he can't get you to hang around bad people and you're hanging around the right people, he'll try to get you hurt and offended at them. Stop getting offended at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop it. Choose to forgive. Freely you have been forgiven. Freely forgive. All right. Let me tell you the three things you can do quickly that will help your spiritual development. Proper parenting. Proper parenting. You think about, again, a child who has, let's say, great athletic ability, but uh, parents never encourage, or great intellectual uh, capacity. Parents never encourage, never help, 
They say, you, you know, I don't know why you try to go out for that team. You can't make it anyway. And they're always negative, encouraging. Could they affect that person's destiny in the natural? Sure. It's the same way in the spiritual. If you're around a group of people who are your mentors, who are your spiritual oversight, and they're constantly saying, we can't do anything for God, we can't accomplish anything for God, we're not going to be able to, we can't help change the whole world, we're just a little old church, you know. Okay, you're just never going to. I preached at a church one time. You know what the name of it was? Little Flock Baptist Church. That is the worst name you can come up with for a church. Little Flock. Just want you to know we're little, we're always going to be little, and the world's going to go to hell. That's, that's really what they were saying. We'll never be able to affect anything. You, you see our master vision, how big it is? Y'all have figured out we can't do it. Have you figured that out? We cannot do it. I'll tell you who can, though. God. Everything we've done here in six years, God's done. All we've done is started walking in faith. When uh, Bill Hybels was here a few weeks ago and he spoke to our leadership, we got up, we showed the whole vision of the master plan. Bill got up afterwards and said, you know, I was thinking of that scripture, where there is no vision, the people perish. He said, there's no chance of perishing if you go to Gateway Church. Because <laughs> we got a big vision. We are going to affect the world. We're going to affect the whole world along with many other churches. So if you have bad parents, you're not going to be able to do anything for the kingdom. Oh, and by the way, don't anyone here say, well, I don't need to be parented. I'm an adult. No, you're not. Every one of you here is a child of God. We still need to be mentored, no matter how old you are. Here's the successful Christian life. You're climbing some stairs. You've got someone above you helping you, and you've got someone below you you're helping. That was good. That was good. That's the successful Christian life. If you're not helping someone, you're not living the way you should in the kingdom. And if you're not being helped, you're not living the way you should in the kingdom. All right. The second one is proper nourishment. Any of you figured out what proper nourishment is? It's this right here. Now, we just finished a 40-day time of prayer and fasting. And many of you fasted some sort of food. I want to, again, liken the spiritual to the natural. Okay? Do you know how many times most Christians read this book a week? Once. And it's because the preacher makes them. And they, they, they take this book, and they take it home, and they put it on the dresser, and they pick it up the next weekend and go, <sighs> and blow the dust off and come to church. Okay, let's just, let's just do that in the natural. Let's just start doing that in the natural. Let's all just start eating one meal a week. How strong do you think you're going to be after a while? Just one meal a week, how strong physically are you going to be? You're going to be in trouble, aren't you? Well, I'm telling you, even though... God has given us a good church, and I do my best to feed you the Word of God. One time a week in the Word is not enough for you. That's why I want you to get the devotional. That's why I want you to get in the habit of the Word of God every day. As a matter of fact, you could even make this a practice. I'm going to read the Bible as many times as I eat. I'm going to eat spiritually. If I eat three times a day, I'm reading the Bible three times a day. How about at least once a day? This is where our nourishment comes from. Okay, let me tell you something under this point. There's two ways to know what your spiritual DNA is. Okay, just so you'll know, I didn't put this in the notes, but you might want to write it down. Some of you might be saying, well, I don't know what my destiny is. Well, there's two ways you can find out. Scriptural renewal and spiritual revelation. Scriptural renewal and spiritual revelation. In other words, the Bible says we're to renew our minds with the Word of God. 
You read this book and find out what God says about you. And then spiritual revelation. What does the Holy Spirit speak into your heart? Let me, let me boil those two things down for you. The Word and the Spirit. God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. The Word and Spirit is how you're going to find out what your DNA is. All right, here's the last one. Proper environment. Proper environment. If you're ever going to develop to your complete spiritual destiny, you're going to have to be in the proper environment. You know what the proper environment, environment is? It's a local church. Now, I want to give you a warning, all right? Beware of butterflies and bullfrogs. Spiritually. You know what a butterfly and a bullfrog is spiritually? A butterfly is a person who just flits around from church to church, but never likes anywhere very long. And a bullfrog is someone who will come sit on your lily pad until someone touches them and tries to develop a relationship with them, and then they'll blow up and hop off somewhere else. We got more of them in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex than anywhere. And they just roam around. And here's the catchphrase, by the way. Hey, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to any one particular church. I'm part of the body of Christ at large. Have you heard that? Okay, let me tell you, any person who says that, let me tell you the theological definition of that person. Kook. That's from the Greek word kukos. All right? That is a kook, and you get as far away from that person as you can. Paul and Barnabas were not a part of the body of Christ at large. They were members of the church at Antioch 13 years before they were sent out by the elders and had hands laid on them before they were sent out. And every time they returned from a missionary journey, they reported back to the elders. They were in relationship with the local church. That's why we're saying in this One Life campaign, if you haven't gone through the new members class, go through the new members class. Stop just attending and become a part of the church. And say, I'm here. I'm a part. And if you've gone through the class but you haven't gone through the journey or discovery, discovery is where you find out what your spiritual DNA is, what your gifting is. If you're not in a group, small group, get in a small group. If you're not serving somewhere, start serving. If you're not tithing, start tithing. Begin putting your time, your talent, and your treasure in the kingdom of God and watch what happens in your growth in the Christian life. Most of the things that you're dealing with Most of the issues that you're dealing with of immaturity in your Christian walk would be satisfied, would be reconciled if you became more committed to a local church. I promise you. Here's the last thing I want to ask you. How many of you have ever heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball was buying shoes one day. He's in a shoe store. And he figured out what his spiritual gifting was, and, and, and he figured out that his gift was evangelism, and he was to witness to everybody he came in contact with. That's what he decided. Everyone I talk to, I'm going to tell about Jesus Christ. So he's in there one day, he's buying some shoes, and the guy comes up to sell him some shoes, and he felt this struggle. He felt like, I ought to tell this guy about Jesus. And here was his thought. This guy's just a shoe salesman, though. And he's just a shoe salesman. But he decided, no, he's a soul. He's a person. So he shared with him about Jesus, and the shoe salesman accepted Christ right there in the shoe store. You know what the shoe salesman's name was? Dwight L. Moody. Responsible for hundreds of thousands of souls going to heaven. Not many people have heard of Edward Kimball, though. 
Can I tell you, though, that someone that has heard of Edward Kimball? God. Edward Kimball decided, my one life counts. I'm going to do something with my one life. And hundreds of thousands of people had their eternal destiny changed from hell to heaven because of Edward Kimball. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Your one life counts. Will you get involved? Will you not just give your heart to God, but will you give your life to God? Will you give your time to God? We're really asking for one more time a week. You come to church once a week. We're asking to go to a group once a week. We're asking to serve somewhere once a week. We're asking you to get your heart in the church by going through the new members class, becoming a part of the body of Christ, serving somewhere. Get your heart in by beginning investing in the church. Investing in what God is saying and doing. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is not here, your heart's not here. Put your treasure in the church. Put your heart in the church. Put your time in. Put your talent in. If you're here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. We want to help you. Maybe you're like Dwight L. Moody was when he was selling shoes. No purpose. And once he gave his life to Jesus, he discovered his purpose. You'll never discover your purpose in God until you give your life fully to God. Some of you may be straddling the fence. Halfway in the kingdom and halfway in the world. You're not going to be happy that way, and you know you're not. Here's what we want to do in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, Carrie's going to sing. We're going to stand. We're going to have leaders here at the altar. I want you just to stand up while we're singing and just step out and come. There'll be a lot of other people coming to the front, too. You won't be the only one. Just come to one of the leaders here at the front and say, I need to get right with God. I need to give my life to God. If you're a believer here and you've got a health situation, something with your health, maybe you've gotten a bad report or you're suffering for something, don't feel like, well, I've prayed a hundred times. Let's pray some more. Let's continue to release the power of God within us to work in your situation. If you're here and one of your family members is in trouble, I talked to a couple last night after service. And their son is going through some difficult times. But we pray. Prayer works. So if you need prayer for any reason, then when we stand, you just stand up and step out and come to the front and let us minister to you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that every person who needs us to agree with them in prayer, every person who's going through a difficult time, every person who needs to get right with you would come during this time in Jesus' name. Amen.